broadcasting live from Amy Sedaris's wig, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Gareth Strother. I'm Ricardo Salgado. What's up, everybody? How are you boys doing today? I am very excited to talk about our main segment, Seamus. I am too. I, I had a blast watching it very early in the morning, like like Christmas, but... Well, that's for the main segment, really. We we have we have a bit of news to get through, actually. Not quite as much as last week, but yeah, there is there's quite a bit of news. There's here. some good stuff in there this week. I agree, yeah. including some weird possible news to start us off. So there's a rumor going around that the new 007 No Time to Die turns out there might be some time to die. That's what we hear. Um, <laughs> is considering going to a streaming service for a $600 million price tag. Oh my god. Jesus Christ, okay. Is there any rumor about what streaming service this would go to? I guess it would be like... I mean, Disney was just asking for 30 This is insane. <laughs> yeah. Each of us is going to shell out our 600 mil. Don't even worry about it. Hey, between the three of us, that's just 200 mil apiece. So Sponsors, let's get this going. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, there's not been any rumors, but there are only a couple of streaming services that have that kind of capital. Netflix doesn't seem to have any problem going further into debt. So could be them. Amazon definitely has that kind of money. Like, Jeff Bezos could buy it. Um, Like, literally just Jeff Bezos yeah. for his own personal gain. You've got HBO, who seems to be really happy to spend money on exclusives. Like, they're, you know, they're dropping 70 mil or whatever on the Snyder Cut. It wouldn't surprise me. Isn't, isn't Bond a Warner movie? Bond is MGM. Oh. And then the last one that I could see Disney doing it, because I know Bob Iger, who's of course no longer in charge, but still. Bob Iger talked about the fact that Disney was maybe thinking about buying James Bond anyway? Yeah, I remember him musing about that not too long ago. And, uh, I mean, this is going to be a pretty big one. Is this the... L I, I know I don't ever know. Is this the last Daniel Craig Bond, or do they have another one? Yes, this is the last Craig Bond. So yeah, if they really want to go out with a bang, this would be the this would be the one to do it with. D what streaming service has the Bonds like the old Bonds right now? Um, Netflix has a couple of the Craig Bonds right now, at least, and I think they've also got like the Brosnans and and further back. I think Amazon has like the the real old ones, like the Connery ones on their Prime. It seems like right now. Probably because they're trying to hype up the new one. It seems like the, a lot of streaming services have Bond access right now. I feel like Amazon is the one that has them the most frequently. Like, whenever I go to watch a Bond movie, I usually end up on Amazon. I really, I got nothing else to really say about this Bond. I, I guess I would rather see a James Bond in the theater, ideally, but, you know, it, ideal situations aren't happening right now, so. Yeah. As long as I'm not having to pay, you know, that premium access price tag, if it's a little more closer to, like, Bill and Ted's 
price tag. Maybe that would be maybe that'd be a little better. This is gonna probably pop up a lot more now that it's kind of settling in for studios. Like, oh damn, there's like no feasible way we can just keep delaying this movie forever until like the virus goes away. Like, they're all being backed into this corner. I think the two exciting things about this is one. It sounds like, from what the rumors are, we wouldn't actually be having to pay any kind of rental fee, Seamus. Ooh, okay. Because they're trying to sell it for $600 million to a specific streaming service, so presumably they would be relying on bringing in new subscribers. Interesting. And then second off, I'm with you that obviously I would rather see Bond in a theater, but personally I'm hoping this rumor is true because... Bond is the next movie that would actually tempt me to go back when it comes out in April, and I still frankly don't think the world's going to be ready for movie theaters in April, so I would rather see this on streaming than have to sit it out when it comes to the theater. I think you might be right on that. But yeah, we'll keep you guys updated if there's any more official news on this. Up next, we thought the Slender Cut couldn't get any weirder after (laughs) last week, but... We've recently had confirmation that Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke is joining the Snyder Cut reshoots for Justice League. So, I might be a little behind on DC movies. Has this version of Deathstroke been in anything? I think he's in... One thing. Yeah, he's in one scene of BVS, right, Ricardo? I think... Is he? I was going to say he's just in the end credits of... uh... Justice League when that came out originally. I don't. Yeah, okay. I don't think it was Batman v Superman. Because I maybe that's a like deleted he's on a boat scene with uh, Eisenberg. Wow. Okay. I don't know. You guys not know? Hell what no, man. About? I I like I've not seen any of these. Blocked out the really. Justice League apparently, or I, I just didn't even wait for an after credit scene. I just slammed my laptop after the credits started rolling. But yeah, Joe uh, Mag Magnello. Deathstroke. I'm just going to call him Deathstroke. Yeah. He was in the after credit scene of Justice League when it first came out. He's like, hopping onto a boat, meeting with Jesse Eisenberg, not being insane. And he's wearing, like, an old, like, Gene Hackman suit. Oh, very nice. And they're like, oh man, they've started a league. Looks like we'll have to start a league of our own. <laughs> I like him as an actor. I like that character. I just... This movie is going to be so bloated. It's insane. How can they just keep packing on more and more? It's a, it's a, I, it's almost going to make me have to rewatch the original cut first to just like truly absorb all of these insane add-ons that we keep hearing about. See, that was my, I, my original plan was to go in blind to this and see it as my first version of Justice League. But I feel like if I do that, I will not be able to accurately compare what's going on. I think you might have to do a, like, back-to-back double feature with no downtime in between. Make a day of it and just ruin yourself. Eight hours of... Oh, man. I've said this before. Can't we just watch The Guardians of Gahul instead? (laughs) No, we can't watch The Guardians of Gahul. It's on Hulu. Speaking of... There's something with, like, moons or something in the Guardians Moon of the Moon, right? <laughs> Excellent transition. <laughs> Thank you. We have more superhero news. Oscar Isaac is reportedly in talks to be 
Moon Knight for Marvel's Disney Plus Moon Knight series. That's a big I think that's get. awesome. I think that's totally killer. I kind of can't believe it because Oscar Isaac famously hated the way Disney handled his character on Star Wars and the way that studio interference kept his character from being what he wanted it to be and what some of the directors wanted it to be. So I'm a little surprised to see him so eager to reteam with Disney, but also, you know, I understand the actors are paid. Like you said, Garrett, this is all just rumor floating around this casting, and I'm personally, like, I've never really read any of the Moon Knight comics. I don't think he's appeared in anything live-action ever, like, in any major appearances. It's possible, I suppose, that he... It's possible, I suppose, that he popped up on one of the obscure Marvel shows at some point, but I don't think so. Yeah, him, him getting to be the star, though, I guess is what I'm getting at. If they do this right, it's a character that's going to absolutely blow up, you know, like Deadpool style. It's all about, like, the dark comedy that goes along with a mentally unstable, bloodthirsty anti-hero. And if they're making it quippy and they're making it Oscar Isaac... What do you guys know about... Moon Knight. He's he worships a moon god and he's very mentally unwell and he wears a white suit with a hood, I think. And he met Dracula that one yeah. time and that's memed into oblivion. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll cross him over with Blade. Honestly, that's that would be a smart thing to do. That would be a good way to bring those characters in together. Yeah, that would be crazy, jeez. I think we have learned to not necessarily trust these rumors after the whole Tatiana Maslany thing right, yeah. blew up on us. I don't even think we talked about on the, that on the show, but apparently she's saying that's all a rumor and that she hasn't spoken to Wait, anybody didn't about Did we talk about this on character. last week's episode? I don't think so. Am I crazy? Ricardo talked about it with Diego on last week's live action That's remake. definitely what I'm thinking of. I thought that episode was great. So yeah, I think we've kind of learned not to trust these rumors right away, even though this one's getting pretty big coverage. I think I'll wait until we have official word to really go I in for- on it. I was about to say, I forgot that Oscar Isaac was in another Marvel thing. I, for- I forgot he was Apocalypse. Oh my god, That's I right. completely forgot that he was Apocalypse. That was like more towards uh, The Force Awakens in terms of time, right? That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Also, but you can't see him even... In that no, makeup. it looks nothing like him. His voice is like distorted and booming the entire time. It makes it, it's not it's barely him. So yeah, we'll they'll probably make some kind of joke about that if it's gonna be as meta as Moon Knight often seems to be in the comics. Like like the intro of Deadpool where the photo of the Green Lantern is just like floating around the car, stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I hope this is true because I like Oscar Isaac, but. I also kind of want to see him do weirder non-studio projects, but also get paid, dude, you know? Well, depending on what they do with Moon Knight, because Moon Knight as a character is pretty out there. <laughs> like, even the whole multiple personality thing I think he could have fun with. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a couple of concerns there. One, I know like movies like Split caught a lot of flack for kind of trivializing dissociative identity disorder and making it like a fun superpower thing and then also i feel like that was kind of just done with legion i think legion oh yeah a lot of that mental illness as a superpower market also a marvel property even though it's x-men but still so yeah i think that's all we have to say about that until we hear some real casting news all right take us away ricardo they put out a a new look 
at the filming of Avatar 2, which, for me, this is the first time I've seen anything regarding Avatar 2. This is definitely the most dynamic image they've released so far. Most of the stuff's been, like, Zoe Saldana looking up at James Cameron from the edge (laughs) of a water tank. It makes me wonder what is going on. It's pretty wild looking, man. I don't know enough about what's going to happen in Avatar 2 to really have much of an opinion about what's happening besides that whatever it is, it's going to be interesting. I think one of you said it was mostly about dealing with like the underwater society on the planet. Mm-hmm. So the image is Kate Winslet in a water tank in some in a, like a weird bodysuit waving around big flags like she's in a high school marching band. <laughs> performance and it makes me wonder if since they are dealing with these new underwater creatures in this new underwater world of pandora is kate winslet's character i'm assuming going to be some kind of water creature oh yeah i'm pretty sure there was an an article where she didn't give much in terms of who she's playing all she would say is like yeah i'm a water person i'm gonna be a water person in this movie i held my breath for like seven minutes Oh yeah, I've read about that. I've read about how she did all that training. It'll be very interesting to see where this goes. I don't think there's much to say about it other than, looks weird. They're coming for you, Jason Momoa. See you in the Snyder Cut. Let's get the flip out of (laughs) here. If Snyder had any integrity, he'd shoot his entire movie underwater. I'm gonna at you, Snyder. Alright. Another TV show announcement this week was that Netflix is developing a live-action Assassin's Creed series. Didn't tell us more than that, but that sounds like an interesting partnership to me. They made that really bad Michael oh, Fassbender movie. I was so movie. excited for that movie. That was in development forever. That movie was in development for like yeah, I, it, or I remember I was on that hype train for a while. I mean, I was an Assassin's Creed game fan for like up until Black Flag was the last great one. So that's like a ton of games. I want to say that's like six games maybe. And I was, you know, I was all in for it. But you know, it the curse of the video game adaption movie just like swept through it and i didn't even end up seeing it because of how bad the reviews were i think assassin's creed especially is a difficult concept to adapt into live action because i think the entire idea of you are time traveling and going back into a person who lived previously is such a weird idea that's so well suited for a video game. I think they would be more successful if they maybe just did a series that was set in whatever time they wanted it to be in and didn't focus on the whole time travel aspect. Yeah, they, they go off the damn deep yeah. end. There's like aliens and ancient civilizations and I think, you know, it does suffer a lot when you're trying to adapt it to the like live action stuff when they're they're gonna be, you know they're gonna try to shoehorn in all that Abstergo, present-day Templar stuff, and, uh, I don't know. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, you've got to make it digestible for casual viewers, because you can't only target a series or a movie at people who played the Assassin's Creed games. You need to bring in new people to the franchise, and I think that's just too convoluted and too much to fill in to make it work in a filmic adaptation. Yeah, I, I could see them it going the way of, like, how Netflix did The Witcher, where it was kind of like a mix between the lore of the games and the lore of the book, so it, you didn't have to like be caught up on either necessarily to really get into it. So we'll see if they maybe kind of take it easier on the more complex time travel lore and focus on the like assassins as a guild. I know Netflix is also doing like a Resident Evil show slash movie right now, so they're they're really leaning into video game stuff at the moment. And I just hope that they're not stretching themselves a little thin 
in terms of making these quality, considering they both have, like, very large, very opinionated fan bases already. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then we've got another Netflix property up next. We got a longer, full look at Selena the Series. A trailer dropped this week. Yeah, baby. (laughs) I am no more educated than I was last time, because... I thought I would probably save that for when this came out and give you my thoughts a little bit closer to this release. Seamus, you saw this trailer, right? What are, what are I your think thoughts? It looks, I think it looks interesting. You know, I haven't seen the movie in ages, but I know that, you know, it seems very family focused, which I know like the True to Life story was very much about her family as well. So they're really making it look like a like a sweet and, you know, honest look at this uh, experience through all of the family members, too. I'm, I'm glad they're kind of also keeping some of the more later in life stuff under wraps, it seems. I did a little digging on this one because as much as I do want to see this show come out. Like, how do you end up stretch that up for a whole show like it works for the movie? And what I found out is it's a little deeper than that. Not only is it going to go into Selena's whole backstory, but, you know, give more of a broader look at just what it means to be Mexican in America, which was a big theme of that original movie, by, like, really getting into their family relationship and, like, how they interact with each other and how, back in the day, one of the big problems for them was that they couldn't get played on any of the big radio stations Mm. because they were Mexican. But Mexicans weren't crazy about them either because they were American. So I think that's going to be a real heavy theme uh, with this one coming up. I look forward to, to yeah, taking a look at it. Very excited. Honestly, it's in December. Let's do one. Let's yeah, do, do an episode. Selena That'd be fun. Where we watch the premiere? original movie or something. Yeah, we'll figure that out when we get closer to it. That sounds really fun. Totally. I know you, you said you wanted to go in cold garrett for this show well not necessarily for the show because we had talked about before me essentially coming in and going through that story as part of the podcast so not necessarily for the show i'm happy to do the movie or research or a book or whatever whatever we do i think maybe doing the movie at some point in general just because it is like an actually a very good film might be i I would like to hear your thoughts on that yeah and you too ricardo i think that you'd have a, a great uh perspective on that stuff i'd love to do it so keep uh, your eyes peeled in December. We might be dropping some Selena content. Speaking of trailers, yep. Garrett, you want to lead us into this one? Absolutely. We've got a trailer for Stardust, a terrible-looking David Bowie biopic. Now, when you say terrible-looking, <laughs> <laughs> you mean maybe a little strange? I, I what, what about this trailer made me uneasy, kind of? I'm just glad okay. I'm not the only <laughs> okay, one yeah. that... It felt the same way. <laughs> well, part of it is the fact that I think it's distilling David Bowie as a personality to a very generic, I don't know who to be. I, I'm i just a musician who can't find my footing. It's just not working. Nothing about it says David yeah. Bowie. Yeah, especially that guy who looks <laughs> yeah. nothing like David Bowie. Oh, God. The tone just looks like unbalanced. Not even Mark Maron showing up could say the tone of that trailer it just doesn't look good it looks like a empty hollow cash grab trying to follow up the successes of rocket man and bohemian rhapsody and it just does not look like it's working and i after doing research i guess david bowie's family has disavowed this interpretation oh. of oh, his no. life story oh my god and i'm so curious because if you're already committed to doing this movie and you've gotten the thumbs down from bowie's family why is it so generic looking it, that would allow them 
to maybe take risks with telling that story and focus on the more controversial aspects of Bowie as a personality, but no, it just looks really I mean, bad. A lot of the stuff I noticed from that trailer seemed like like thematically about like the finding his like stage identity and like kind of changing who he is a little bit to fit the character he wants to be sounds so much like a lot of the stuff they were dealing with in Rocket Man. Like, just in that movie, it's it seems like such a close proximity in theme, let alone close proximity in just, like, I, I guess, like you said, they, they are probably trying to piggyback off of the recent success of these very famous British biopic rock and roll movies. Tilda Swinton was not cast as David Bowie, and that yeah, was mistake right? number like, one. They have the perfect opportunity, but they bungled it. Yeah, I don't know. Looks pretty bad. I'm a big David Bowie fan, too. I don't know if you guys know that about me. I feel like we've talked about it before. I'm, I'm a pretty big David Bowie man myself. Yeah, I remember, I like, I watched this trailer this morning, and then I was, like, in my head trying to convince myself, like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll see this, and then, like, ten seconds later, I was like, why would I even <laughs> bother seeing this? Alright, last couple quick bits of news cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed another few weeks to come out december 10th i know that this game has been super infamous on delays i haven't been keeping up with it but i was so confused when i saw that it had been delayed because i was convinced it had already (laughs) been out because it seems like your breathtaking (laughs) happened a thousand years ago oh my god it's it well i guess you probably were confused because it was supposed to come out in like a week and you know they put out some statement that was like you might not think an extra 20 days will be like worth us tweaking it to like make it great and i don't know how can 20 like they've been working on this game for like five years how is 20 extra days gonna be that much of a difference my god hey man in situations like this delays for games are always a good thing they have the time to tweak it they don't have to like sleep at their desks and wake up and go back to work immediately that's the thing though ricardo is i feel like i keep thinking about you know when they had to delay sonic (laughs) and fix everything I'm just thinking about, you you heard the horror stories about all the poor animators that were doing exactly what you're describing, sleeping at their desks, trying to hammer out what they were trying to fix, like, which in Sonic's case was (laughs) the entire main character. And so I keep getting flashes of that whenever I read about the cyberpunk news, and I hope that's not what's going on. I hope that delay is giving them time to be healthy and not put their programmers and playtesters and everybody else through hell for the next few weeks. God, I, I hope not, too. You know, you hear those this stuff about, like, Naughty Dog and their, you know, very upsetting practices, and, like, a, a lot of these major companies partake in this, but is it is that, like, what they're doing? They're, like, modeling and animating still 20 days out? Like, these, I feel... Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the specific problem is, but I just mean I'm always worried yeah, about that. Yeah, that's time projects it could be anything it could be like animation on a character it could be just like piece of code that's just like not working that they can't seem to figure out there's so many different parts that go into like making a video game you know i guess especially for a game of this like caliber which has been toted as like this you know super immersive intense rpg that's got a trillion options to do a trillion different things so i'm sure there's a lot to work with there and then ricardo you had one last piece of news right oh yeah this isn't really like huge news but i found out about bat wheels the upcoming show about a talking batmobile <laughs> from what i know there's no batman in it it's just about oh that's awesome batmobile. i'm on boy i was not in on it now i'm on board going on adventures it's i think it can talk to like the robin cycle or any of the other <laughs> like what vehicles in the case that's weird 
Now, Ricardo, has they confirmed that it's going to be in the Cars universe <laughs> yet? Giant windshield eyeballs. <laughs> oh, you said oh, it, God, I get it. out of here. <laughs> Follow-up question. Is the Batmobile going to have a gravelly Christian Bale I was going to say, Batman is he, voice? like, the persona of Batman? Or is he, like, going to be... I mean, how else would you do that? I don't that know. I could character. see, like, a robo-Alfred I, I kind of... AI bot <laughs> that controls the car or something. Buried the lid a little bit, but it is going to be a kid show. And when I say that, I mean, like, kid Oh, kids. like, little like, kid show? Like, yeah. That one show that I'm now blanking on and can't remember where it's like cars but it's on Cubo so it's like disturbingly worse animation <laughs> you're like oh how is this <laughs> it's like a airplane with a human face or something nightmare fuel <laughs> JJ the jet plane <laughs> god it's almost the Enrico Marcone soundtrack, truly. We're so yeah, back, we're back, Mando though. Bros. Uh, it's season two. It's good to be back, Seamus. I'm so glad that of all the things that COVID took away from us, we oh, have man, this the, to clutch on I'm to. excited for the prospect of weekly schedule. I'm like, I'm ready for some structure here, boys. I love it. <laughs> We have been so up oh. in the air on content lately. Yeah, it's really nice to know that we're going to have a regular <laughs> weekly segment devoted to The Mandalorian. Oh. This first episode, gentlemen, holy cow. I woke up nice and early, got a little cup of coffee. I sat down and I, I put on episode one, chapter nine. It was a blast. Well, actually, before that, Seamus, you actually put on our pop culture recap for The Mandalorian season oh, man. one, live now on our YouTube channel. And then you watch. See, what I actually did was I started the episode and there's a recap of the first season. And I watched through that from Disney Plus And I was like, man, we, we have a better one than those. That's ridiculous. And I, I, I immediately went. <laughs> <laughs> to the pop culture recap on our YouTube channel because I was dissing Disney Plus a little bit. But good news is now you're all caught up and you were able to fully enjoy, you know, the season two opener, knowing that you knew everything you needed to know. No joke. One. There was a couple things in our recap that are maybe important to pay attention to for this first episode. And I am pretty proud of that, uh, that we kind of touched on some things that actually came to fruition. Yes, I was surprised by that as well. It made, yes, it made me yes, proud. Yes. We did good work. So let's start with overall thoughts. What did you guys think of the season two opener? <sighs> Hooks you right back in is a good way to put it, because... They, I, I, I didn't even realize how excited I was for this until last night when I realized that I was going to get to see it again today and I was, we were going to get these weekly, you know, episode drops and it might, it is top two maybe in like best Star Wars thing ever for me still. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm struggling to not say these things that are going to come up in spoilers right now. I was just so floored by how, how good it has been and how good it will probably continue to be. Yeah. It's a really solid opener. I think they do a nice little scene at the very beginning is to kind of get back into the world and the tone of the Mandalorian, but also remind you of some of the less friendly aspects of the series, because I think we're safe to talk about the first scene pretty much in its entirety. Mando is looking for other Mandalorians, hopefully that will be able to help him and point him in the right direction on his quest to find other Jedi to reunite the child with. And he gets in a nice little scrape where he just takes out everybody that tries to take him out. 
and it's pretty brutal, to be honest. I think it's some of the most brutal violence we've seen on this series so far, and the series makes the point of showing us that Baby Yoda is seeing what Mando is doing that baby like they cut to a couple of reaction shots of baby yoda recognizing mando's weapons of him seeing mando take out specific characters and i think when we look back you know what happened in the penultimate episode of last season where he ended up force choking Kara on board the Razor Crest, we might see Baby Yoda start to emulate some of these darker tendencies that Din, as we now know his name is from season one, is showing him. Yeah, it might dip into a little bit more of that um that kind of moral struggle that we see from the Mandalorians in the the Clone Wars when Mandalore has turned into more of a passive society and we might see mando struggle i'm sorry i know it's din but i i naturally say mando it's hard not to call him <laughs> um, mando, we might have to see him struggle with his own personal creed of like you know do i want this little green monster to grow up like me or should i be you know making that strive for a better life for him in general even though his quest really is to kind of move him on to the next stage of wherever he's going but yeah i don't know it is interesting that he is is they're making a big point of having us notice him noticing all this violence like you said and especially the first thing right before the you know not the opening credits but the title card for the episode and by the way it is chapter nine we're not resetting our chapters as we go so this is a continuation from chapter eight is that mando just leaves that guy to die it's pretty dark like a connery bond villain like just i won't kill you but screwed up monsters yeah it's a really interesting little mystery that they set up there that obviously there's some kind of creepy carnivorous scavengers that attack people in the darkness yeah you mentioned that it was a very like bond way to end somebody and i i had kind of a similar thought of just like the the prospect of doing this like shady business deal in a crowded boxing match too seemed very James Bondy to me of like the sporting event the boxing match whatever and then you know he does his uh what does he say it's like I you will not die by my hand or something was his little tricky turn of phrase so that he could just leave him to get torn to shreds dark stuff but it's it's totally awesome mm-hmm. and then we're back on Tatooine yes. oh, in this man. episode I uh, I almost want to just jump into spoilers here they do a lot of big things in this episode that I really want to just jump around to yeah very quickly so let's wrap up our general thoughts i'm glad that we got the tadween episode out of the way at the in this first one just because we knew from all the promotional images and that i only saw the first trailer but a lot of the content of that first trailer was in this episode which i'm also happy about just because this way we're not sitting here anticipating you know the tadween episode yeah without getting too far into that either it seems like they'll probably come back at some point maybe do a revisit but it's good to get a lot of that bigger stuff that they were teasing throughout this you know hiatus period to to get out of the way so we're not like glued to our screens trying to figure out when that stuff is going to happen amazing just what i had expected and i'm even still blown out of the water just everything that happens it's totally awesome yeah i liked this one i was surprised a little bit at how it took a little bit more of a page from the more episodic of the episodes last season that it wasn't a huge a beginning of a bigger overarching story or at least it wasn't as obviously the beginning of an overarching story i do think they tease some stuff that's obviously going to come back later but i was glad to see it returning to kind of this old western tv series format astounding i don't know what i expected going into it but it brought me back just immediately i 
Oh, so good. I want to see more. I love the Western, like, feel of it. And it, to me, it's never felt more Western than this, than this episode. He's literally on his speeder <laughs> bike, and I can hear, like, the hoof clops in my head. Yeah, and we'll definitely touch on that a little bit more in spoilers. But yes, I think this is the one that feels the most explicitly like a Western out of the whole series. Let's yeah, with that, it. should we go into spoilers, guys? Okay, so many Easter eggs, and it did not feel as blatantly fanservice-y as the, the Tatooine episode from last season, I didn't think. I thought it felt much more integrated into yeah, the story. Yeah, man, there, I'm, uh, there's so many. The speeder bike engine, the ice cream machine, it's got a name in-universe now. Yes, that was nice to see the... the little portable vault thing that we saw from you know obviously for the ice cream maker from empire that then showed up last season there was and then about the speeder bike engine which is very clearly a repurposed pod racer engine do you think that's supposed to be from i see a lot of people saying like just like clinging on to anything they can to be like it's gotta be anakin's it's gotta be i don't think it is but i think that it's definitely you know i i heard some stuff already people throwing around like after anakin won his race and people saw how fast that kind of engine can be that was kind of a people kind of repurposed uh, other engines to recreate that style again but i think it was just a fun little nod it couldn't possibly be the actual engine yeah i don't think so either but i mean it was fun nonetheless to see the thing that made me scream to the point that annie came out of her room and was like can you please be quiet <laughs> was r5 yes r5 man oh amy sedaris has him just dooting around dooting around her hanger and i you love to see it you love to see the scorch marks on his exterior in it case it wasn't obvious enough that with the bad you know, motivator it's the same r5 yeah and <laughs> I was pretty hyped about that. <laughs> you that was blood curdling scream, and he's like, "What is it?" And you're just like, "It's gotta be our five. It's him. <laughs> he's here." <laughs> but obviously, the biggest Easter egg this week was, you know, Cobb Vanth is confirmed to be in the main Star Wars saga. He was a minor character from the aftermath trilogy of books heavily implied that he had Boba Fett's armor after, you know, all the unpleasantness with the Sarlacc pit on Tatooine. (laughs) He's a very obscure character, and so it was very interesting to see such an obscure character, you know, pop up in, you know, the biggest Star Wars thing going on right now. And I thought they handled him really well. Obviously, Timothy Oliphant is wonderful and charming as always. Oh, absolutely. I really hope he comes back because he's really good. Oh, he has to, you know, he gives the old, I hope our paths cross again someday, Mando, at the end there. And I, they, they better because he is so good. I half expected um him to get killed at the end of the episode. Me too. But, you know, they kept him around for a reason, so he better come back. Do you think we'll do a season one style team up at the end of this season where Mando <laughs> goes and gets all his buddies together to fight the big bad? That's what I was almost thinking, like a little Magnificent Seven style again to just, maybe they combine the teams now. We still get uh, Karga and uh, uh, Kara to come back through. I mean, especially with, you know, Seamus, I don't necessarily think episode two will 
start off of Tatooine. I think it's possible we could see more Tatooine in Episode 2 because of the way Episode 1 ends with that big reveal. Boba Fett still wandering the Dune Sea. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing we could talk about besides Timothy Oliphant is... Let's go for it, man. It's a big thing to talk about. I loved the whole plot with the crate Dragon and everything, but... I mean, this is the meat of the episode in terms of implications for the future of the show. Like you said, that the last, like, 20 seconds and the... I guess just the fact that Timothy Oliphant is still alive at the end are, like, the most important for, like, the rest of the season, at least. So, Ricardo, what is... I take it you have umbrage with the return of Boba Fett? To me, Boba Fett comes with, like, a lot of baggage in that I don't want any connections to the old stuff. For me, Mandalorian feels so kind of removed. I want to see more stuff we've never seen before with Star Wars. I don't want to keep going back to Tatooine to see the same people (laughs) over and over again. I honestly completely agree with Ricardo. As cool as that reveal is, I really don't want Boba Fett on this show. Like, it was cool to see him pop up, but I was mu- I'm was much more invested in The Mandalorian as a solo story. Now, I there is some hypocrisy in that, in that I'm really excited to see Ahsoka <laughs> hopefully yeah, come show on. up this season. But I, I'm just, I've never been the biggest Boba Fett guy either, Ricardo. I do think his stuff on Clone Wars is really well done. I feel like that should be the absolute anchor for why you guys should be hyped for this. They're going to f- maybe finally use him in, in a live action property to like the extent, the full extent of what his legend should be. You know, he's so famous for like pretty much just how cool he looks in the original trilogy. Now they're finally going to get to make up for a little bit of lost time, you know, use him properly, get him some, some cool Mando action. I, I think that this should be like your guys's ticket into loving Boba Fett more than you do. I think it all depends on what they do with him to be honest like right now i'm not hyped but we have seen that this story team is really good at reinvigorating aspects of the star wars universe that maybe weren't the most exciting to us as fans beforehand but they found a way to make it cool and fresh and so i would love to see their take on it i hope it's really good you know i'll I'll roll with whatever they're doing well that being said i really liked how they expanded on the tatooine stuff this episode i thought Everything with the Tusken Raiders was outstanding. I loved seeing more of their culture and the way that they work, not just as like savages, kind of like what we said in our pop culture recap for season one. Like they were using their gaffy sticks to clean the Bantha's teeth. I thought that was really cool. And I really liked seeing the crate Dragon. Like we haven't really seen one of those in big action before. Dude, especially the because the crate you know, Dragon caught me so off guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just looks like a giant Tremors worm, That's what really. people were saying, yeah. But also, that's important to Mando, because I believe in Legends, if not still in canon, part of the thing is that Mandalorians used to ride crate Dragons. Oh, snap, I forgot about that. If and... it isn't building up to him riding a crate Dragon into battle in the finale, <laughs> what are we even doing here? Hey, man. That'd be pretty cool. Give it some time, give it some time. Um, A couple other... Easter eggs kind of related to what we were just saying. One, the fact that the crate Dragon, its call does sound like the call that Obi-Wan does to scare away the Tusken Raiders, officially, like, confirming that he oh. was doing a crate Dragon impression to scare the Tusken Raiders away in Episode 4. Oh, okay. That's really rad. And then also, during our big crate Dragon finale, the fact that Mando hits the back of the Boba Fett armor's jetpack to make it 
misfire and go in the air just like Han Solo does <laughs> in episode six. That. Loved it to death. Chef kiss. Chef. That it says to me that since he knows how to do that, that's just a feature on all jetpacks. I was gonna say it's like Wars a Buzz World. Lightyear, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just lightly tap it in the right place, it'll just kinda shoot you off into a random direction. Yeah, it's like that I, brand of jetpack is known to malfunction, so he's just like, Alright, I know how to get rid of this guy quick. Bam. How I read into that was that there is some kind of like obviously that armor is so broken and Cobb even mentions the fact that it's broken when he gives it back to Mando at the end of the episode. It makes me think that there's some kind of exposed part or button or something that Mando was exploiting. Maybe that Han Solo either also used or caused back during episode six. Real quick, uh, speaking of like Timothy, Timothy Oliphant having to give the armor back, when he first showed up and he like he took the helmet off, was anyone else like kind of with Mando? Was like that is offensive. How dare you? <laughs> I, I thought that they handled that entire character introduction really well because it was tense and I was invested in it and I could see where both of them were coming from as characters. Again, the the writing on the show is just really good and again, in this episode, they found a way to give us an insight into Mando's emotions without having us see his face, which I am afraid, obviously, that they are going to run out of ways to do that and that it limits the emotional range of the show. But they're still doing a really good job with it in this season opener. What if they go full Deadpool and just have like a little black part of the mask move? <laughs> like Spider-Man's eyes? Yeah. Just do that for every Stormtrooper. Everyone who wears a helmet on Star Wars. I was going to bring up the prospect that um, the fact that Mando knows that this jetpack can be just like bumped and send people flying. Maybe that was just like a... I don't know, Mandalorian knowledge. These old jetpacks are garbage. He has one of the new, like, updated versions that they decided that were worth more. Or, you know, Boba Fett just mistreated his armor and jetpack because he's not, like, an actual Mandalorian from a clan and he didn't really understand. Well, that could be a clever setup to something else down the line. You know, it, presumably, if Mando's going to be traveling with the Boba Fett armor... If an adversary or something is wearing that jetpack, or if he needs to get Baby Yoda away really quickly, those are some things that that's something he could utilize down the line in the season, depending on what direction they go with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm also. I'm really glad that Boba Fett did not just end up killing Timothy. I I thought Timothy Oliphant was gonna get shot dead by Boba Fett, and then he was gonna too, get his dude. armor back at the end. So I'm. Glad we avoided that. We'll probably get a few more showdowns worth of fun stuff between the all of them together, so. I hope so. We didn't even talk about Baby Yoda this episode. He was adorable. I feel like maybe they're putting in more baby noises to, like, make it cuter. Because there's a lot of baby noise. There was a lot of baby noise. Not a complaint. Not a complaint. I thought it was adorable. You know, he... Like you said before, he does a thing where he recognizes the whistling birds are about to go off and he, like, closes his little stroller, hover stroller. Very I believe cute. the canon term is hover pram. Hover pram, excuse me. Yeah, I thought he might have come in for, like, the big uh, crate dragon fight and, like, kind of pull a mudhorn scene again where he, like, uses the force. But I'm, I'm glad they didn't because I'm sure there's going to be a lot more important moment in this season where he comes in clutch with the force, so... I'm glad they didn't burn it on the first episode. 
Especially because this episode already felt so much both like the episode with the Mudhorn from season one and the episode with the ATST from season one. Yeah, that yeah. I'm glad they didn't just Deus Ex Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, I thought this was a really solid season opener. Uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes as we continue our Mando Bros segment. Now it's time for our pop culture reference of the episode, which is the Star Wars canon versus Star Wars Expanded Universe, or as it's now known, Star Wars Legends. So, back before the megacorp known as Disney purchased Lucasfilm, things were a lot more loosey-goosey about, you know, who could create Star Wars properties, what was canon versus not canon, and everything basically that wasn't the movies or the mainstream TV shows was what was known as Star the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Now, when Disney bought Star Wars, they did away with all of that. They only they said only the movies and the Clone Wars TV show are canon. The rest of it is what's known as legends now. So when you hear people talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe or the EU or Star Wars Legends, they're actually talking about the same thing. Now, we have seen some examples of things from Star Wars Legends creep their way into the Star Wars Expanded Universe, partially through shows like Rebels, where you see Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was an Expanded Universe character, come in in a slightly tweaked version fitting for the Rebels universe. Same thing with, like, Starkiller Base is based on Expanded Universe material. Even the character of Kylo Ren, which is obviously the figurehead, really, of, like, the Disney Star Wars era is based on the character of Ben Solo from the Expanded Universe. So you see these things coming in also on things like The Mandalorian. Yeah, a lot of the uh, Expanded Universe was based around a collective of authors who were making standalone novels that would sometimes have sequels that would be based on various you know, background characters or completely original characters altogether. And there was actually an internal grading scale of these authors by how close to canon that they could agree on. So there was even in the extended universe itself more canon things versus less canon things. But like Garrett said, it is kind of stricken from the record as anything official and Elements are being cherry-picked as we go along with the new Disney era of Star Wars. Didn't George and also Lucas things... at one point call the expanded universe, like, the Holy Ghost in his, like, father-son-holy-ghost weird <laughs> oh, uh, metaphor? I've never heard that, but that's that hilarious. sounds You've like never you say it. <laughs> yeah, oh I think God. he said the, the movies are the father. It's a whole thing. He was just super weird. It reminds me of his uh, whole poetry at rhymes thing. He's a weird man. Lucas has, he has weird ideas about, like, the philosophy of Star Wars' franchise, but, I mean, obviously, he knows what he's doing for the most (laughs) part, but, I mean, in addition to the bigger elements that are cherry-picked and brought into the Disney canon, there are some things that they've just kind of not bothered to change that were only, you know, brought up as fact in Legends like the names of certain species or certain background characters that Disney's just kind of kept because it's easier than changing everything, you know? So 
while Legends might technically be mostly stricken from the Star Wars canon, it's still influencing, like, everything as we go along. And now you see these books and comics and things that Disney has a tighter grip on that they're making canon now are kind of retelling the same stories a lot of the time with in the new Disney universe. So Timothy Zahn, who made the original Thrawn trilogy back when it was in Legends, now is brought in and is making a new Thrawn series of books for Disney that are better fitted into the Disney universe. So yeah, it's all kind of complicated and dumb. And basically, just like whatever Star Wars content you like. And I think people get really upset about what's canon versus not canon versus speculation versus... I mean, just like Star Wars fans get stupid upset about everything. But basically, that's the essential breakdown. Expanded Universe and Legends are the same thing. And then there's what's new and canon that Disney is overseeing. Wherever you may fall, the holiday special is always canon. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Seamus, why don't you start us off? My rec center this week is a film that I haven't seen since high school, but I just rewatched it the other day, and it it was fantastic. I really enjoyed Pleasantville with Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. I want to say. Yeah, that's a wonderful it's movie. It's wild. I watched it pretty young. I mean, I guess it was high school, but, like, it's so funny. It's very, it's way more dramatic than it, than I remember, too. They, like, really f- touch on a lot of, you know, very intense uh, things. Adultery, racism, things like that. And, I don't know, it's it's a blast. Young, to- younger, I guess, Tobey Maguire gets sucked into a black and white 1950s sitcom with his sister. And it's as fun as that sounds, because it is so much fun. It's two hours somehow, and I didn't remember that, but it's definitely worth the two hours. That is one of my favorite it's movies. So it's so good, it's so good. Is I... Ernest Borgnine is the cable guy in that, right? You, I, I misremembered that exact same thing before I watched it. It's the guy from, uh, the Andy Griffith show. I swear to God, for some reason, I thought it was Ernest Borgnine too. Borgnine? Ernest Borgnine, yeah. Because I love that man to death, and I think that he, every time I see him on screen, I, I get a little flutter in my chest, but. It is Don Yes, yeah, okay. That's crazy! So yeah, that is about as <laughs> deep of a cut as it gets for a movie like that, for sure. It, Why do we both think him. it's Ernest Borgnine? I don't know. Maybe it's... <laughs> I, I think it's maybe because of the uniform of a cabbie versus the uniform of a TV repairman is similar. But I don't know. He must play a TV repairman or something in another movie, because that is such a vivid so, image in so my weird, head. so weird, right? A remnant of the Mandela universe. Tr- that's what that Honestly, is. That's what I was thinking. Oh god, mine's a little different because it's not oh, a piece of media as a whole. It's a it's a streaming service actually. Y'all ever y'all ever heard of Tubi, son? Oh, I've I've watched some Tubi. Tubi? I j- I just found out about Tubi. Why is no one talking about Tubi? Son, what, there's what so much it? good stuff on here. It's, it's a, Quibi 2. I was going to make that joke, Garrett, but you stole (laughs) it from me. (laughs) It's a streaming service, totally free. And it's got some, like, 
like pretty good titles on here for being free. Like they got Fury, they got uh, Third Rock from the Sun. What else? Oh, that's nice. a great show. I've got there's so much on my list right now. The original Australian Wilfred. That's on oh, here. Oh, that show is so much fun. Oh, cool. As well as you know Edgar Wright's sitcom Spaced with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. What's oh, nice. on here? Tubi. You said and it. All... How is it free though? Like, is there ads or is it ad free? I mean, there's like a few ads, but for what you're getting. I think it's it's tolerable. Like it's all, they've got every single George Carlin stand-up special on here. It's crazy. Oh, that's fun! Right on. Yeah, I've had to I've had to use Tubi for a few things that it was it happened to be the only thing that it was streaming on was Tubi for whatever reason. So, it's it's a definitely it's a usable service to say the least. You can watch all of Alf for free. Oh, there it is. That's why Ricardo's into Tubi is because yeah. of the Alf angle. The man is a fiend for Alf. Lucha Underground's on here. Rem- Lucha Shane Underground! Sano, you know. Yes! From the El <laughs> Rey Network. Oh, I love Lucha Underground. Gary, I don't believe you were there to be a part of our <laughs> Lucha Underground phase. Our obsession with Lucha Underground like four years ago. That, no. The people next door were kept banging on the wall because we kept getting really rowdy watching <laughs> Lucha Underground. It, it, it got real intense. It's so it's so good. It's Robert Rodriguez's TV Network's dramatized lucha wrestling show. It was it it's something good. else. They got Whiplash. Ooh, man. Art House it's on here. Ooh. Damn, I was thinking about wa- rewatching that again soon. Maybe I'll maybe I'll hit up Tubi. Tubi. Wait, Tubi. Quibi two. Tubi. Yeah. All right. That's T U B I. And this is gonna come out like after Halloween. But they got a lot of a. Uh, Elvira-hosted movies on here. Oh, that's cool. In a spooky mood, check those out. Very nice. Right on. All right, last, I've got my rec center, which is going to be, obviously one of us had to do it, the TV series Justified, starring Timothy Oliphant as U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, also one of the best performances literally ever by Walton Goggins, playing the character of Boyd Crowder. Just an absolute powerhouse of a series it is up there i think with something like the wire or the sopranos as one of the best tv shows ever but i never see it held up to that standard the second season in particular is i think really amazing so if you're a fan of the mandalorian it's got similar western influences but with a modern twist obviously justifies a little bit more grounded but it is just a really amazing time. It's really paying homage to those older shows that came before it and doing a modern take. The entire thing is streaming on Hulu right now, so if you've got any interest, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, if not for Timothy Oliphant, please for Walton Goggins. If not for Walton Goggins, for the beautiful and talented Margot Martindale. She's also great in this. All right, that... That puts this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference in the can. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Follow us on Instagram at that same handle. You can also shoot us an email at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. See you next week. If you're getting ready to start The Mandalorian Season 2, you need a refresher, check out our YouTube channel for our new series, Pop Culture Recap, where we start off by doing a recap of the first season of The Mandalorian. Until then, see you next week.